Well, hello everyone. It's been a hot minute, hasn't it? Actually, it's been nearly three months, but we're back. I've got a bit of a creative burst and we're just going to dive right into this. I was cleaning out the bookcase in the front room, which is sort of my office area slash Emma's makeup area. Yeah, it's an area that we both use. I use it a lot for doing this sort of stuff. And I was tying at the bookcase and stumbled across the Blackberry Jack demo that we did seven years ago. It just seems like an, an absolute age. And it was amazing just to be listening to these songs again. So I thought, why not do a review seven years on of what I think my performance was like, what I think we could have changed, done a little bit differently, just in my opinion, obviously. And if we were doing it now, what sort of things would I add in? So without any further ado, I'm just going to kick it off with She's Got To Go. And we'll dive back into wee bits that I maybe want to bring everyone's attention to. But please do enjoy. What song is it? Ah, that's right. I cannot wait to see your face when you find out. What's in place for you, for you, for you? But well, I want to be there to see someone like you. Bow to me, bow to me, bow to me, bow to me. You wanna catch me? You can't escape me. Thank you. 
There we have it. I just absolutely love listening to that again. It's so refreshing. To be fair, when I found the actual CD of it, I was going out to pick dinner up and I just stuck it out in the car. So, this was a time with the band that we ended up just playing as a three-piece as well. So, this was probably the the second last iteration of the band, I think. As a th- as, And this was playing as a three-piece. So... When I first joined the band, there was uh, two guitarists, and then at some point there was a point where Andy had left, and then we just decided, no, we're not going to do this anymore, and then we started playing with a couple of mates in another band, and then we're like, actually, let's give this another go and see if we can do it as a three-piece. So this is about the time when we had a lot of motivation to see what we could do, and Ricky brought this song to practice and I I think both Copy and I kind of fell in love with this quite quickly. It was just really energetic and just kind of motoring forward as well. And this is a, probably a shorter song that we've, that we've put together as well. It's 2 minutes 59 seconds on the recording. So I think one thing that I would change in this especially about the recording is the fact that I didn't put anything in the bass drum. I was like, I want a big sounding bass drum. I want it to sound live. I think it would maybe sound better with a bit of muffling in the bass drum, but that was kind of down to my choice and the engineer didn't really challenge me on that either. Um, We recorded this demo down at Sound Magic uh, Music Studios, which is in air. So... It was very local to us. We rehearsed it all the time as well, so very familiar with the with the environment that we were in. But overall, I think it was a really kind of big song for us to kind of put together. Obviously, Ricky played all the guitar parts in the studio. I can't remember how we played it live. I think by the time we played it live, we maybe had uh, Sean in the band at that point because we thought, no, we do actually need the, the second guitar. So... Yeah, it's just a really kind of big, kind of poppy song. I was always quite an advocate of adding double bass pedal in to uh, spice up some fills and things like that. So you'll hear parts in that song. Uh, well, it might be a, a lot more hard, a little bit harder to distinct, but there'll be. Uh, I'll be the last one at your door. So there's a fill. I'll be. And it's. The, it's a double bass pedal that I would use just to kind of spice it up, thicken it up a little bit. Um, sounded great live, and it was something that I was always quite excited to to kind of play, especially when adding into those fills. And I managed to get it into like some some drum beats as well. Now I wouldn't say these are the strongest songs that we've got. Um, what the last song that I'm going to play is definitely my favourite one. I've got the the actual song name tattooed on my arm and there was a live version of that song that I was watching and it was like an opening fill just before we went into the the first verse and I was like oh I was like why did you play that so (laughs) we'll get into that when when I play the the third song from from the demo so it's three songs in total but she's got to go it was definitely a really good song just 
really upbeat. I enjoy it. It's very, very catchy. I think Ricky always had a, a good way of finding a catchy Rick, uh, a catchy riff, sorry, and uh, really kind of good uh, vocal melodies. I think if we were doing it now, I would be more inclined to add more backing vocals into it. It's set at different points of the song. I would need to kind of work them out, but I can kind of hear bits where it would sound good just having a, a backing vocal kind of uh, supporting certain lines in the song. But that's because since we've recorded this, and there is backing vocals on the, on the recording as well, I've become a much more confident singer because I do it with the, the wedding band and I do it when I'm in the house with, with Emma as well, when I'm playing guitar and we do kind of duety kind of things. So I think I've become a more confident singer, confident in the sound of my voice as well. So it would be quite interesting to see what would happen if I if we were doing this now, what vocals I could bring to support Ricky in, in that kind of area as well just to, it's more to thicken it up it's, it's nothing to do with uh, Ricky's voice at all um, I've always enjoyed Ricky's voice it's a very strong and a, a nice voice to listen to there's me getting all soppy you know and I think if anything I would just make sure that the drum parts that I'm playing are very solid because um, there's a very solid bass line underneath all of this and I would just make sure that I'm supporting that rather than trying to chuck these wee double bass pedal bits in here and there I would just look for a more kind of solid foundation on that now this next song that I'm going to play is called Heartstone and at this point in my musical endeavours and everything that I was listening to I was very very heavily influenced by Dom Howard of Muse and this will it will become very apparent in, in this song I love this song and I love the the start of it, which was uh, there was like a a train edited into the the beginning. I just think it adds to the to the song. Um, definitely the the kind of feel. Um, but this was one that I really, really, really did enjoy recording and playing when we played it live as well. So this next one is Heart of Stone.
So there we go, Heart of Stone. I c- I'm sure any drumheads will be able to see the Dom Howard Muse drum licks reeking out that. And this was a time when Uprising was out as well, so that had that kind of jungle drum floor tom feel to to that song as well. And I was like, I need to try and do something with that. And then when R- Ricky brought this riff to to rehearsal, and I was like, oh, that that's where I'm getting this in. So this became a little bit of a heavier period for us. Um, we were going into drop D a little bit more. For big metal heads, that's probably nothing. But for us being probably considered a, an indie rock band, um, maybe an alternative indie rock band, for the majority of the time that we played together, especially until we got to this kind of point, um, I would say that going into the drop D area of tuning the guitars and, and things like that, it really kind of opened up a little bit more possibility. At this time, Ricky and I were definitely bouncing off of a lot of uh, Queens of Stone Age vibes. Kopi was, uh, it probably still is, a massive uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers fan, so his bass playing skills definitely came out of out of that. Um, still a, a big fan of Queens of the Stone Age as well, but I know at that time Ricky and I were definitely really into that, so getting the kind of heavier riffs in was definitely something that we were both kind of keen to do and see what we could uh, kind of come up with to have everything kind of complement each other. Uh, there's there's bits in the song that I played a bit sketchy, especially kind of near the end as well. So I think again, if we were playing, if we're playing these or recording these, I'd be looking to just make sure that I'm being as solid as possible. I think so. A lot of the kind of Dom Howard things that I'm, I was talking about that um, that I did was. Um, it's a kind of and that's something that was just between uh, is pretty much a flam on the the snare drum the floor tom and uh, just go alternating between um, the the floor tom and the snare at the same time and the, the bass drum so it's kind of playing a pattern like that so I'd be looking to see where I'm putting those, seeing where I can add a little bit of space and just making sure that I'm just kind of rock solid as well. I I just love the kind of guitar in it as well. We recorded most of, well, I think we actually put the first track down and no, we, no, we recorded the, the first, the first kind of take of it all with the with the three of us playing and uh you'll hear acoustic guitar right at the beginning and I thought that just added a nice kind of layer of kind of dynamic to it as well. And again we were experimenting with backing vocals, we didn't really know what to do. I think the only thing about doing this kind of demo thing was that we recorded it all in a full day's session. So that's getting all the the drums and guitars down, any overdubs you want to do with that, um, numerous vocal takes, and 
at that point just coming up with what vocals we wanted to add in so we didn't even have an a any preconception of what we did want to add in vocally i think there's a lot that we could do there um definitely if we did something like that now and me being a lot more confident in singing what i would do is make sure that any backing vocals that we did add in that it was easily replicated live i just think backing vocals since i've been singing a lot more and experienced it and things like that and hearing it in a lot of music these days is that it just adds an extra layer and it can shift the dynamic of say like a chorus or a verse or anything like that and it can just bring it right up so um i think you're probably going to hear a lot <laughs> a lot of that um from my suggestions um what i would say is we should have probably recorded with a click track instead of just playing it playing it live as well i think it would just sound that even that just a little bit more tighter so i think uh, it's it's, it's kind of hard you don't really I think I've just been very picky on like my performance in, in particular as well. Um, but I think it's a really good song. Again, I think it's actually a, a very catchy, very catchy lick. Um, with the... I think it sticks in my head. Um, and as soon as I heard this before I even thought about what did I play, I just knew what I was going to play. I think a lot of the songs that we actually had, I could play most of them right the way through and not kind of miss a beat i think there's some things that i would probably have simplified um unconsciously it's just because i've changed a bit in a player i play a bit more sensible a bit more sensible um and try and get the impact with that kind of simplicity but this is a song that i absolutely love playing and i think the guys en enjoyed it as well so again this is it's obviously different from the issues got to go that's a kind of it's almost like a kind of pop punk sort of sort of vibe it's just kind of really driving forward and i think that's what kind of kept it different we had a lot of we had a lot of songs like that um like better now you're, better now you're famous um that was one that we with we're going to release a single for and things like that we got it recorded really well so that was a that's a song that I was that's very very happy kind of going like going kind of pedal to the meadow you know and then you've got um, a song like Sally which was like an anthem for us and even thinking about it and I've I've spoke to um, my best mate Dave about it as well and that's a song that he always kind of gravitates to and a lot of people who maybe uh, knew the band and think about the band this is the this is song that they they kind of go for and that's a very kind of it's a very kind of light-hearted just kind of floaty kind of just what you would expect from like a kind of indie song as well but it's an, a, an absolute stonker and it would get like a full room singing especially if they if they knew us um so that was our kind of signature song um so it was kind of weird that you kind of go from that and then you move into these sort of uh, heavier kind of tunes so this the next song and the last song that we're going to play and discuss is my favorite and it's called shout and cry now i preferred this as a four piece and i did prefer it when it was played with andy now there is a video on 
I think it's uh, Shot in Scotland, the YouTube channel's called, and it's from one of the Jam at the Dams, and if you look up Shout and Cry there, it's, uh, I think it's just the way the way Andy plays uh, the guitar, and I, I just absolutely loved it, and I thought it added um, a really good dynamic to the song, and for me, that's what kind of made the song, um, so it was just kind of different when we recorded it like this, um, so unfortunately this is not my most favorite iteration of the song and definitely not my most favorite iteration of the song and it was <laughs> and i, I kind of wish that there wasn't a video of it and it was when we played the Badlands ballroom um we got a chance to play the Badlands ballroom it was a kind of futures fest thing that was done by promoters in glasgow uh just that bullshit pay to play sort of thing um really annoying i think it's probably still about nowadays which is which is a shame but anyway we got to play such an amazing stage and it's the song starting up and then i just do this absolutely stupid fill and i was like that just sounds absolutely dreadful and we played the song just a little bit too quick as well but that again, that that just comes with being excited and the kind of adrenaline rushing through as soon as you go to start playing a song. Um, but anyway, that's just things that I don't like, and that film will forever haunt me whenever I want to watch that video. You know, <laughs> so let's just get into this last song. This is "Shout and Cry." Um, I hope you enjoy, and we'll have a wee discussion after it.
already I'm taking out that bloody plastic block. I keep on forgetting about that. I thought this would be a great idea. No, it just sounds so thin and it that just sounds garbage. Ah, you know, this is the beauty of kind of looking back and things and seeing what you what you did like and what, what you kind of didn't like. And at the time, I was like, yeah, this, this sounds amazing. You know, I've just got this, I've just got this plastic block, you know, this percussion block. I'm going to use it and I'm going to use it at the most random time, which makes no fucking sense. <laughs> so... That is my favourite song that that we played. It's just a pe- personal favourite for me, and I think it's just because it's got that kind of that funky sort of discoy feel to it, just with that four to the floor and just trying to keep it tight. I think listening back for me to get that beat just to sound a little bit more crisp and a little bit more together, I would be looking to maybe pull the song back another 5 BPM as well. I'm not really sure what um, tempo we played it at, but for me, just to get that to sound really kind of super tight along with everything else, there was just l- little points that I was picking up and I was like, mm, that doesn't really doesn't really sound as tight as it should be or as it, it always sounded in my head. I think I would just kind of look to drop the tempo back just a little bit just so that that sounded kind of like really crisp and I'd be more than happy with that. I think a couple of other things that I would change in my drum performances would be those bits of the song where I would be playing in the chorus, for example, and I'd be, I'd be leading into the chorus. She's alone. And then I'd go, do do ga do good ga and it's just those kind of really quick fills. They're not really necessary. I think maybe more powerful to get to that stop would be something a little bit more gradual um, or maybe just playing solid and then stopping rather than having that wee kind of flare of I just listen to it now. I just don't really think it's necessary. And you'll probably have kind of later in that song, there's that... Um, the bit where it's, giving it up for disco, that kind of girl you like to me. There's, uh, there's the fill that was in that video or at the Barrowlands is that fill that's in there and I just managed to get it and it still sounds a little bit sloppy. And it's, and it's, I I, Again, I don't really think that's necessary. I think something just a little bit more linear, something that's just as simple. It's just, it was an unnecessary flair that it kind of needed, um, uh, an unnecessary flair that needed to be there. I think that's more what I'm, what I'm thinking. But again, this isn't the, my most favourite iteration of this song. It's the only recording I've got here at the moment. And I think it's just one of these things that I'm, I, I can't really, I can't really do anything about now. But obviously, if we were doing, if we were doing this now, then th- these are the kind of things that I would, that I would change. I just love the way that it, um, that the the song grooved. You know, um, I I love uh, Copy's bass line in it and just the sparse guitar over the top, um, 
in, in the kind of verses as well. I think that really works and just kind of leaves it open for you to actually listen to the, the lyrics that uh, Ricky's singing as well. Um, it's quite quite creative. Um, I, I, I've always thought anyway. And I just, again, it was just a different song for us to do. This is, we wanted to re-record this as a three-piece and see what we could do. We did record it with, with Andy as well. Um, but I think the, the live version at Jam It Dam is probably one of the, the better versions that I would like to listen to. Um, you know what, I might actually see if I can find that on YouTube just now. Um, and I'll be able to, you know what, I'll let you hear that, Phil, from the Barrowlands gig because that one, that one just forever haunts me. And it's just, ah, oh, it just really annoys me. <laughs> Um so yeah, here it is here. Oh god. Right, okay. Um we might get a little advert from Spotify. No, not Spotify. <laughs> Ready? Ah, uh, that is gonna forever haunt me. That is just such a shit fill, and it wasn't even the fill that I was even thinking about. It was even shitter. Oh, what a gig that was, though. I absolutely love playing that. It was a weird one because you had guys that were controlling the front house out up at the back of the room and then we also had guys that were controlling just the monitor mix as well which was a really kind of strange but very very good and professional um experience for us um let's see if i can find the i'll wait to see if i can find this jam at the damn one just since i can do this while i'm while i've got my phone kind of connected up as well but uh these were these were my kind of my favorite songs um and I'll let you see a wee bit of Sally as well. I, I must remind you that I do not own any of the, the copyright for for these songs. Obviously, Ricky r wrote a lot of these songs, so um, as far as I'm concerned, they're, they're kind of owned by by him. Um, just by the way that, obviously, he's he's written the songs. Oh, here, here, actually, here's one from... This is 10 years ago. This is at the Carlin Academy. And again, this is uh, Shout and Cry, so we'll, we'll see what this sounds like. I wonder if we'll get an ad on this one or not. Right, I had to get to the point where it was actually going to start because it had um, Killing in the Name of played in the background and that will get pulled by, <laughs> by Spotify as copyright. So <laughs> we can have that. Um, so anyway, let's see how this one sounds as well. Obviously, this was earlier. I think this was closer to when we actually wrote the song as well. But being able to play like Carlin Academy and Barrowlands Ballroom um, is, has been pretty impressive, especially as, as a band to, to kind of go through those sort of things. So uh, let's see what this sounds like.
I think we speed up in this. Yep, classic Benj. Speed up as it comes to your, your moment to shine. Watching, no, just absolutely love it. Um, right, okay. I should may as well. You know what? I'm gonna play the episode out with, um, with Sally. I think that's gonna be the, the the best way to do this. Um, all oh, right. Here's here's the version. I I think this is probably the best version of Shout and Cry. Um, this is from the. Jam it to damn, this was the third year that they did it. Um, so, here we go. So I'll pause that quickly because that, for me, that is the perfect tempo. And there was a couple of things that Kobe was doing there that I probably think was a little bit unnecessary as well. Um, but that's, it's just, it happens when you play live, you wait to try these wee kind of things out here and there. Um, personally, like listening back now, I don't really think it does uh, what it is maybe intended to do. Um but it still sounds kind of like really solid. Um, so I'll play a little bit more. I'll just play up to the chorus and then I'll stick on Sally for you to play you out. And that'll be it for this week's episode. So I hope you do enjoy. There we go. There's me messing up fills again. I was like, yeah, this has sounded really good right up until that point, and then I go and mess up the fill. Now, who knows? Will we ever play it again together? It's probably likely because we were discussing it about uh, there was uh, Gavin uh, or Big Gav, as he's known as uh, by a lot of people in in the kind of Irish area. Anyway, he was wanting to do a charity gig called Cove Aid and that was obviously for raising money for the NHS but obviously with restrictions and everything that it's not something that we can do right now but there was a bit of chat of um we would do one one gig and we all were up for it so that was a, it was probably about like six months 
ago that was kind of spoken about but I'm definitely up for doing it and I'm pretty sure people would be up for hearing that as well and to do it as a one-off gig I'd, yeah it'd be fun definitely be fun so oh I just played, played the wrong one there I'm going to find Sally for you and maybe I'll be playing that tune a lot uh, a lot smoother the next time we play it when's that going to be I don't know um, but let's find a version of Sally and I hope you can enjoy that one it seems why can I not find this um, it's trying to find let's try to find the good the kind of good versions that are going to be of like kind of good quality here we go uh, I found one so this is probably our signature song um, with everyone that is known as so I'll let this play out the episode I hope you've enjoyed my kind of breakdown and I look forward to if we do get the chance to do a charity gig I'll definitely I'm I'm 100% up for for playing it and just trying out uh, <laughs> trying out the band um, seven years on from doing that kind of demo but I hope you all have a lovely day and night, and I'll catch you all in the next one. All right, everybody get down front. We're about to get lively here. You ready, boys? This is one of my favorite bands. Ladies and gentlemen, Black Rage Act!